Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God. You guys ready to get into the Word a little bit today? The bridge class is going to stay in here today because we have some surprises. We're going to rock it out, and we wanted you all to be a part of it uh, with us today. So we're going to start today, and uh, traditionally we do a tag team message, um, Pastor Daniel and I, and we're going to do the same thing, but um, we're going to do a halftime uh, in between, because uh, he, needs a, he needs a little bit of time to, to go back into the locker room and prepare after I bring mine. So um, we're talking about victory today, and I believe that your fight began with victory. Amen? I believe that your fight began with victory because long before you were even born, Jesus Christ made a way for you. Amen? Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. Jesus Christ rose again victorious. And where we're identified with him in his death, burial, and resurrection today, I stand victorious. I stand as the righteousness of God in Christ because of Jesus. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. See, I believe that many times as, as Christians, we walk in like we're beaten even before the battle starts. Right? We walk around like we're beaten. Somebody told me one time, well, I'm just sitting here watching to see what the devil's going to do next. I'm not. I'm not watching to see what. He can do what he wants. He has his own thing. He has his own agenda. Sometimes he tries to affect me. But when he does, I brush off everything that tries to beset me, as the scripture says, those weights and those sins that easily beset us, easily hold us back, and I move forward with perseverance, and I won't run the race that is set before me. How do I do that? I look to the one who has won the victory already. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Y'all are going to have to be a little more fired up than that today in the house. I know you're going to be screaming at the TV, even if you don't care about the Super Bowl, because it's super close to the square you bought. Right? I don't lie. We're in church, all right? See, many times we walk into the battle and we hold our head down. We're walking into the battle and we feel like we've already been beaten and bruised and broken. And we walk in with our head down and we say, all right, God, I hope that you do something this time because I don't know how much more I can take. But in Psalm 24, it says, lift up your head, O ye gates, swing wide, you everlasting doors, and let the King of glory come in. It says, who's the King of glory? The Lord. He is strong, he is mighty in battle, and he's here to save. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In John chapter 16, verse 33, and i got to get that real quick. John 16, so turn to it in your phone or your tablet or your desktop computer or your paper Bible or your scrolls or whatever you brought today, John 16, 33, stone tablets, John 16, 33, it says, y'all can laugh at my jokes too if you want, um, I'm very funny, and uh, see, Jesus said this in John 16, 33, he said, these things I have spoken to you, Sierra, I heard you say yes really loud, and uh, I just wanted to say your hair looks awesome today, you're welcome. You're welcome. That's an inside joke from a long, long time ago. And um, so if you see Sierra, make sure you tell her her hair looks good. All right? John 16, 33, it says, These things I have spoken to you. This is Jesus talking. He said that you may have peace in this world. Amen? Say, I can have peace in this world. Say it like you mean it. I can have peace in this world. 
See, I believe this, that as Jesus says this, I speak these things to you so that you can have peace in this world. He's not just talking about peace like we go through life without anxiety. I believe he's talking a little deeper here. Because the root of the anxiety, the root of the turmoil, the root of the tribulation that you see in this life and in this earth is from the enemy that Jesus overcame. Amen? So when he says, I write this to you that you may have peace in this world, he's not just saying peace in this physical life. He's saying, I made a way to where you're at peace with God. So in this life, you're at peace with God. And if you're at peace with God, then that means God's working for you. God's favor is on you. And when the enemy comes against you, you know that you have somebody who's always got your back, who you always stand in right standing with, and that's because of Jesus. That's why he came. So I write these things to you that you may have peace in this world. And then he goes on. He says, but in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. That word tribulation means burdens. Anybody ever have a, have a burden? He says, in this world, you'll have burdens. In this world, you're going to have pressure. In this world, you, you will have persecution. In this world, you will have hurt. You will have pain. You will have trouble in this world. But then he says, whoa, but be of good cheer. That means have courage, have boldness when you're walking into those situations, when you know that there's trouble, when you know that there's turmoil. I want you to be of good cheer and have boldness because I have overcome this world. Amen. Hallelujah. Notice there he doesn't say I've overcome tribulation. I think that's very important. Because he doesn't say, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but I've overcome the tribulation. He says, no, no, no. The tribulation, it comes from the world and the world system. It comes from the fallen way of doing things. It comes from the pit of hell. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the root. I've overcome the world. Amen? I haven't just overcome the tribulation. It's not the symptom. I've overcome the root. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you a story today, and we're going to do it really fast. In the book of Numbers... We see a story about a a city called Jericho. And in this city, the children of Israel are coming up against it, and it stands in the way of them and the promised land. Now, when you study about Jericho and you read up, Jericho was a beautiful city. It had huge, it had huge walls, right? Sorry, I couldn't help it. Jericho had big walls, and Jericho was known as a city with big walls. It was known as a, but it wasn't known as a particularly tough city. It was just known as a city with big walls. And so the children of Israel are going up against it, and Moses looks out, and he said, I'm going to send one spy from every tribe of Israel. There's going to be 12 of you. You're going to go in, and I want you to spy out the city. I want you to come back. I want you to tell us if they're weak, if they're strong. I want you to come back where their weaknesses are. I want you to tell us where they're particularly strong. And then we're going to go in, we're going to devise a plan, and we're going to overcome Jericho. Right? Let's get a game plan ready, and let's start Getting, getting our stuff together so that we can go out and we can win this thing. And so the spies go in and, and they come back, and this is Numbers 13, verse 30. It says, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses, and he said, let us go up at once and let's possess it. Because we are well able to overcome it. This is the first thing that was said to Moses about Jericho. He comes back and he says, let's go right now. We don't even need to wait to plan. These guys are weak. Let's go. We can overcome it. And everybody else, it's like, whoa, 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 man. It says the men that went with them, they said, no, we are not able to go up against these people. For they are stronger than we are. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it, it's a land that eats up its inhabitants. All the people that we saw are men of great stature, and, and there were giants, and the sons of Anak were there, which come of the giants. 
We were in our own sight as grasshoppers. I want you to say in our own sight. In our own sight, we were grasshoppers. In our own sight, we were much smaller than them. In our own sight, we didn't stand a chance. And notice the next statement they said. And so were we in their sight. See, in our own sight, we couldn't measure up. And so it was that way in theirs too. I believe here they spoke the truth. I believe Caleb spoke the truth as well when he said, no, 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 we can go up against these guys and we're going to beat them. We can overcome them easily. Let's go right now. But then everybody else, they said, no, in our own sight, we're like grasshoppers compared to them and we were in their sight too. I believe that's true because they went into the battle already beaten. In our own sight. Number one, as you're leading to victory, and I want you to write this down or put it in your phone or whatever you need to do. Number one, as you're going into battle, you need to understand that your report should be a reflection of your God. Your report should be a reflection of your God. Whatever your God has spoken to you, and I can tell you this, he's spoken that you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Amen? He has spoken that in all things I overcome through Jesus Christ my Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. Your report should be a reflection of your God, not a reflection of your circumstances. Numbers 14, verse 6. It says, but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, or however you say that, I have no idea. I don't have to call him by name today, so that's cool. Like, I'm not going to see him. I'm not going to say, hey, what's up? Bro, how are you? It says, these were among the spies that spied out the land. They went back and they tore their clothes and they spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel. And they said, no, the land that we passed through to spy, it's an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us to this land, and he will give it to us. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. See, this is a land that was promised to us. Sometimes when we get to the land, we're like the other guys, and we look at it, and we just see all the problems, and we just see all the reasons why we can't, but Joshua and Caleb, they said, no, 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 this is a good land. We're going to go to it. We're going to overcome it, just like the Lord said. He said, if the Lord delights in us, See, Joshua and Caleb, they lived in a time before Christ. And they didn't have an understanding. They didn't have the the, the relationship with the Father like you and I do. But today I'm here to say that because of Jesus, that we can say with boldness that the Lord delights in me. Amen? The Lord delights in me. The Lord's favor is on me. And so we can go into the land and we can look at what we're up against and we can say, the Lord delights in me and so we will be able to overcome it because he has overcome it. Amen? Praise God. So Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. See, they were scared. Jericho was tightly shut up because of the children of Israel. No one went out. No one came in. If you want a key to make sure that you're defeated every single time, isolate yourself, shut yourself up. No one go out. No one come in. Barricade yourself and try to fight it alone. And you'll fail every time. I guarantee it. Sometimes asking for help is the hardest thing to do. But when you say, you know what, I'm part of the family of God, and I've got brothers and sisters here. I've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. I'm going to stand together with who God has given me to fight with. And we're going to go and we're going to fight. But Jericho wasn't like that. They were scared. They barricaded themselves. They were tightly shut up. And they said, no one leave. We're going to stay in the house, and we're going to try to wait this thing out. How did that work for them? We'll find out. It says, the Lord said to Joshua, see... I've given Jericho into your hand. I like that. Because all Jericho did is they were like, we got big walls, shut the gate. Right? 
And so God said, see, I told you I gave you, gave you Jericho. It's like, man, the walls are still standing. I don't know how we're going to defeat this place. But God said, see, God's saying today, even though it may not look like your situation has changed very much, see, I gave it to you. See, I've already worked in your favor. See, the battle was won even before you started fighting the battle. You started with victory. See, when I said go and inhabit the promised land, the victory was yours. And now you got here and you had spies and some of y'all said good things and some of y'all said bad things and then you lost your leader because Moses, he went on to be with, to, to be with God in heaven and, and now you've got Joshua here and Joshua's leading the, the, the fight and he's never led the fight before and you don't really know what's going to happen and everything is just a little weird. And then God comes and he says, see, they shut their gate. I told you I gave you the city. You shall march around the city. All your men of war, you shall go around the city once. This you'll do six days. And then the seven priests will bear the seven trumpets of rams before the ark of the Lord. And by the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times and the priest shall blow the trumpets. I think it's important here, and this is number two, so write this down. On your way to victory, number two, it's important to be consistent in the battle. Because I guarantee you, if the children of Israel would have walked around five days and said, this isn't working, I'm going to give up. I've already tried that whole walking around thing. I'm going to go kamikaze into this wall and take out these guys. Then they would not have taken Jericho. But there was consistency in the battle. God could have said, I want you to walk around the wall one time, blow your trumpet, walls are going to fall down. It's yours. But he needed consistency in the battle. And so he said, no, 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 what I want you to do is I want you to walk around one time each day for six days. On the seventh day, I want you to walk around seven times. On the seventh time, I want you to blow the trumpet. I want you to shout for your victory that, by the way, they hadn't even got yet. They'd just been walking around the building. That brings us to number three. You still with me? Say number three. Y'all are quiet. Say it again like, you, like you're excited about number three. Number three, no trash talk. No trash talk while you're walking out for your victory. How many people go in and trash talk? Have you seen these NFL teams or NBA teams or baseball teams, whatever it may be, they start trash talking before the season starts? We're going to bring home the championship, right? LeBron James, not one, not two, not three, not four. Some of y'all get that. Some of you don't. It's cool. They start trash talking before the fight even begins. And they go out on the field and they can't prove it. No trash talk. Let your walk prove it. Let your walk prove it. Man, they walked around that wall six days with their mouth shut. How hard is that? We're taking this thing. They walked around six days while God was preparing their heart. They walked around six days while God was encouraging them and strengthening them and they were being built up in the inward man. They walked around six days while God was building the anticipation of seeing that victory with their eyes. What they had already seen with their spirit. They walked around six days and they didn't have to put it on Instagram Pray for me. I'm walking around this wall. I hope it falls. But they walked around the wall six days. No trash talk, no nothing. On the seventh day, they walked around six times. No trash talk, no nothing. But on the seventh day, what they do? It says, verse 16, on the seventh time it happened. The priests blew the trumpets, and Joshua said to the people, shout. I want you to say, Shout. But I want you to say it like you mean you're shouting. Shout. Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. See, number four. Are you ready for number four? And maybe it's not as crazy as number three, but I want you to be ready for number four. Number four is you get hype when you can smell the victory. Get hype when you can smell the victory. I don't mean you can see it with the eyes of faith. I don't mean, because yes, you see it with the eyes of faith and you're being obedient and you're being consistent and you're not trash talking and you're doing your thing. But I'm telling you what, when you can start to smell victory, you get that Gatorade ready, right? That's what this picture is right here. 
It's a Gatorade bath. You get that Gatorade ready when you can start to smell the victory. You're getting ready to go into victory formation, y'all. You can smell the victory. It's right there. I want you to get hype when you can smell the victory. They begin to shout because the victory was theirs, and they knew that the victory was won, even though there was not one single crack in that wall. But they had built their anticipation, and they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the God that had led them into that land, that had led them through the wilderness, that had led them out of the captivity of Pharaoh, that that same God that led them across the Jordan River, that same God that helped them in the transition between Moses and Joshua, that same God that has never left their side, will never leave their side, and that He has promised and spoken to them that you have the victory today, and He said on the seventh time, and if I'm on the seventh time, I'm starting to get excited, you guys. Right? If I'm on that seventh time, I can feel I just can't hold it in anymore. I'm shouting for the victory because I know that the victory is mine. Amen. Hallelujah. They are shouting for the victory. And then one more thing, number five. Don't start writing yet. But number five, if you read on in the book of Joshua, I don't have time to go there. If you read on in the book of Joshua, you see that as the children of Israel went through and began to take more ground of the land that God had given them, their reputation went before them. Your reputation, number five, your reputation will go before you of who you represent. Their reputation went before them and they had kings start to say, oh, no, those guys are coming. We heard what they did in Jericho. We heard that those big old walls that all of us had all been scared about, they came down. We heard about what Joshua did. We heard about the favor of God that's on them. I want a reputation that echoes through hell of the one I represent. Amen? I better think twice before I go and mess with that guy. Because every time that I go and mess with that guy, a few of my men go down. Every time I go and mess with that guy, see, he brings it. Every single time, your reputation will go before you of who you represent. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. You guys ready for halftime? Yeah, you don't even know what halftime is, right? All right, you're getting ready to find out. It's going to be cool, you guys. So we have a video, the most exciting part of the service. I swear that worked really good before service. Right, Yaya? It's super quiet, too. Maybe we can do something about that.
Grab your favorite pair of denim, patched up knees and faded blue. Full 220s in your pocket. Everybody get up. You believe we have victory today? Amen. We have victory because my Jesus is no longer in the grave. Amen. Amen. So I want you to sing this song like you have victory and that our God, our Jesus, is no longer in that grave. Amen. Oh,
this is the one that won your victory. Hallelujah. Set me free. side over here, just tearing it up, you guys over here on this side, you know, what do you think, Jason? Yeah, yes, yes, <laughs> all right, well, who's ready for the second half? 
The best ever. Yes, yes, that's right. You see, we used to every year. We, you know, we carried a football around. Then I would pass the football to Jason, and he would take it and do his part, and then he would throw it back to me. And the problem with, with that was that even though I hit him right on the numbers every time, <laughs> he still dropped it. And uh, now he, he, he preached okay; he just dropped the pass. That's you know, but uh, but anyway, uh, so we decided not to do that this time. We we just thought we'd go in the locker room, have halftime, and then come back out, and we had a halftime show, see. And so, um, anyway, he was talking about the fact that we started this game from victory. You see, here's the deal. This game has already gone final. Who understands what I'm talking about? The game's already gone final. You know, once they've handed out the trophy, it's too late to be, you know, it's time to stop, stop talking smack after the trophy's already been handed out. You know, thinking somehow that you're going to get a victory out of this if you don't, if you were on the losing side. But see, the thing we have to understand is that the victory was already won 2,000 years ago. And there is nothing that the devil can do about it, but he hasn't figured that out yet. He keeps talking smack. He keeps talking like, you know, like he's going to somehow pull this out, but it's too late. The trophy has already been handed out. Jesus already won. You are his trophy. Praise God. Praise God. You are the evidence of his victory. Now, many Christians are buying into the, the, the trash talk, though. You know, a lot of Christians are buying into what the devil's got going on, what he's saying, even though, you know, I, I used to hear Christians say this. I haven't heard it in a long time, and thank God I haven't. But, uh, you know, I haven't heard it in a long time, but I used to hear Christians saying, well, you know, the devil's been lying to me all week, you know. And I'm thinking, if you know he's lying to you, why are you listening? You know, if you already know that what he's saying is a lie, then why are you even paying attention to it? Why does it even matter what he says? And so, uh, you know, I remember as a kid going to school and, and the next day after after Super Bowl and talking um, about whose team won, whose team lost and you know, the losing team was always talking about making up all their excuses as to why their team lost. Like if they could make up enough excuses, then somehow they could overthrow the results of the game. And uh, it never worked. And the team that, uh, well, if, if, if the referees hadn't been on your side, you know. And, uh, but see, here's the deal. The game has already gone Final, and many times, uh, you know, Christians haven't figured out that they already won. And so, you know, uh, here's something that there there is a a Bible principle that says this. It says that if if uh, you know if you want to establish something, it needs to be in the mouth of two or three. Witnesses, and in the mouth of two or three witnesses, you know, we find that scripture repeated over and over and over in, in scripture. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And so, um, you can't build if you find one verse, one passage of scripture, just you know, just one time in the Bible, you can't build a doctrine on that. You need to find the mouth of two or three witnesses. You need to find at a bare minimum two scriptures that prove your point. How about seven? Think seven would prove a point? Okay. Let me give you seven here that prove the point. Romans chapter 6, verse number 10. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for 
all. That the life that he lives, he lives to God. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 12. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 26. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Verse number 28, same chapter. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly await for him. He will appear the second time apart from sin to salvation. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, for the worshipers once purified would have no more consciousness of sins. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 10. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Seven verses that show that once was enough. See, now here's the thing. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans in the 10th chapter of Romans, and he said this in verse number uh, verse 6. He said, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. See, here's the thing that we need to understand. Many times we waste our prayers asking God to do something he did once for all people for all time. Praise God. You see, if he did it, he did it one time, and that was enough for you. Praise God. You see, you're not the exception. You're not the one person that it wasn't enough for. What he did, he did one time. Jesus offered himself one sacrifice. You see, the blood of calves and, and bulls and goats and all of, all of that, it was offered over and over and over and over again because it needed to be because it was a temporary covering for our sins. But Jesus, God's perfect lamb, his blood was offered one time, and it was enough for all people for all time. So you're not the one person, and this is not the one day that was, his blood was enough for you for all time. Praise God. Praise God. You see, a lot of times we act like it needs to be offered again, like there needs to be another sacrifice Jesus, if you would come, who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down from above? Because I really need him right now. I really need Jesus to come and intervene in my life right now. I'm in a mess. I need Jesus to come and help me. Oh, please, Lord Jesus, won't you come and help me? And he says, I did. I already did. Once was enough. The victory's already won. Praise God. We're, this, this is, you, are, uh, you are entering into this fight from the position of victory. 
Praise God. Now, I remember, uh, you know, there was a... Um, there was an NFL quarterback by the name of Jake Plummer. And he played for a team called the Arizona Cardinals. And at that time, the Arizona Cardinals were terrible. And the Denver Broncos were good. Okay? Some of you can think about, oh, when was that? But the, you know, the Arizona Cardinals were really terrible, and Jake Plummer played for the Arizona Cardinals. They call him Jake the Snake. And Jake Plummer, uh, you know, he's, he's playing for the Cardinals, and he's losing all the time. And then he gets traded to the Denver Broncos, who are really good. And the Denver Broncos, you know, and he talked about how much difference it made playing with a lead. How much, how much easier it was to play with a lead. Well, you see, here's the thing. You're not just playing this game with a lead. You're playing this game with a victory. Praise God. How much easier is it to play the game when you know the final score? Now, I remember a few years ago, I'm in the Philippines, and uh, I'm talking to some of the pastors. This was several years back, and this was back at a time when they were really just first starting to, you know, now everybody in the Philippines has internet, everybody. You say, well, I thought it was a third world country. Even in third world countries, everybody's got internet now, you know. At that time, you would drive down the road and you would see, uh, you would look off, off the side of a bridge and there's people that are living down here under this bridge and they got a TV antenna. Well, now they don't have a TV antenna. Now they're walking around looking at this. You know, they, they've got one of these. And... Uh, uh, you know, so they're, they're looking at, but back when Internet was first becoming commonplace in places like the Philippines, uh, you know, and, and really even before it became commonplace, but it's, it, people are just starting to get it, okay? And, and one of the pastors was telling me, a pastor friend, he was telling me that, that people were betting on uh, wrestling matches. And uh, what they were doing was the wrestling matches would be televised and they would bet on the wrestling match, but it was behind time on television. But they were getting information ahead. They were getting information live on the Internet. And so these guys who are the first ones to have Internet, they're seeing the results of the wrestling match, and they're betting on it, already knowing how it turned out, okay? Because their friends, that they're, they're, they're former friends, as, they, as it turned out, uh, you know, they didn't know that what they were seeing on TV wasn't live, that it already happened, and their buddy that they're betting with already has the results, but you see, what that reminds me of is uh, we've already got the results. This fight that we're in, we've already have the results. It's already over. We already, you know, Jesus already won and gave us the victory. Praise God. And so, um, you know, we are fighting from a position of victory. Victory is past. Now, I, I, I hear people saying, hear Christians saying, well, I believe God is able. Did you know that that's not faith? That's not a faith statement? I believe God's able is not a faith statement. He's able to do what? 
Well, he's able, he, you know, he's able to heal me. Wait a minute. He already healed you. Well, I, I believe God is able to supply all my needs. He already supplied all your needs. So to say he's able to do it is not a statement of faith. Many people are believing God to do what he already did. And that's, that's the, what we need to realize and what we've got to realize is that your faith, you see, we learn the principles of faith. We learn the principles of believing God, but often our faith has been misplaced. And I've heard, I, I can't tell you how many sermons I've heard on faith moves God. No, it doesn't. God already moved and he ain't moving again. So we need to put our faith in the right place. God is not going to move because of your faith. He already moved before you were born. Praise God. He already sent his son to a cross where they laid stripes on his back and laid your sickness and your disease and your pain on his back at the cross and he already went to the grave and he already rose victorious without it. He already disposed of it so he doesn't need to win anything else. The victory that Jesus won was a final victory. And the devil can contest it all he wants, but the devil lost. And it's already over. And the sooner we get that revelation, the sooner we'll start walking around like the champions that we are in Christ. You are victorious in him, praise God, and nothing else needs to be done except for you to wake up and realize it. Praise God. Faith speaks like this, or does not speak like this, I should say. Faith does not speak like this. Faith does not, the righteousness of faith speaks in this way, do not Say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Why? He already came down from above. And once was enough. Who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. He already came up from the dead. So Paul says, faith don't talk like that. Faith doesn't say who's going to bring Christ up from the dead. He already came up from the dead. Faith would say Jesus already went to the cross. Jesus already laid down his life. Jesus already became sin for me. Jesus already became bore my sickness and my disease and my pain. He already hung on the cross. He was already punished in my place. My punishment has been completed on the body of Jesus. See, there are a lot of Christians that are, are expecting punishment because of what they've done. How many of you have ever lived like that? You know, I know you're not now. I know you know better now, okay? All right, but I'm talking about at some point in your life, you lived with an expectation of punishment. Anybody? Yeah, most of you in the room, you lived your life with an expectation of punishment because you knew that you had failed. But then one day, you heard some good news. See, and here's the good news. You know, most of the church is really not preaching the gospel. Gospel means good news. Most of the church is preaching a message disguised as gospel that says, well, you know, God's going to get you. You messed up, and you can expect to be punished. And 
And most Christians are living a life with anticipation of being punished for all the things they've done wrong. And they, they make statements like this. Well, God can't just overlook sin. You know, you're misleading people to tell them that God can overlook sin. I never told anybody that God can overlook sin. God does not overlook sin. He did not overlook sin. In fact, he looked and he said, that's got to be punished. And so Jesus came and he was nailed to a cross that you belonged on. And he was punished there and your sin was punished in full on the body of Jesus. And see, that's what you got to understand. That's what you get is that, that he stood in your place or hung in your place and all of the punishment for all of your sin came upon him. He was punished to the maximum. I mean, the book was thrown at him. You want to know what the book said? Read Deuteronomy chapter 28. That's what the book says. And the book was thrown at him on the cross that you belonged on. But he took your place there. And he hung there. And the full extent of the wrath of God was poured out upon him. Now, how many ever heard someone, some religious person say this? Well, if America keeps going the direction we're going, God's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Anybody ever heard someone say that? Yeah, I've heard that many times. If we keep going the way we're going, God's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, if God doesn't punish us as a nation, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, let me just say this. If God does punish us, he's going to have to apologize to Jesus. How is it that he punished Jesus in my place? How then could he punish me too for the same crime? See, when the crime's already been punished, it's not going to be punished again. Praise God. Aren't you glad that the victory is already yours. You see, when you begin to realize that it's already been done, you won't have any problem then receiving what... See, here's, here's the thing that's going to make a difference. In, in this day and age that we're living in, the church is finally waking up to the fact that Jesus won the victory already for once and for all time, for all people. It has already been done. And this is how we're going to begin to see signs and wonders and miracles in people's lives because we're starting to realize that it's already been provided for. It's already been done. How could God possibly say no to what he already did? If you already did something, can you then decline? No. It's not even possible. You can't decline what you already did. God can't decline. Not that he wants to anyway. But he could not. It would be impossible for God to decline what he already did. And he has already forgiven all of your trespasses. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't, don't, get, uh, don't, don't go away saying, well, pastor said, well, my sins are already forgiven, so, you know, everybody's sins are already forgiven, so nobody's going to hell. Nobody's going to, you know, pastor didn't say that, all right? You have to believe what he did, and you have to accept what he did. Praise God. 
You've got to believe it and accept it. That's your only part in this, is to believe it and accept it. Praise God. Jesus already paid for all your sins. You have to believe it's paid. And you have to accept the fact that it is paid. Praise God. And then it activates it in your life. That's your choice to make. Now, that's a big difference in working and trying to get God to do something for you, isn't it? Can you see the, the humongous difference in that? Can you see how different that is from the way we were, you know, if you perform to a certain level, then God will do these, these things for you. If you have enough faith, God will do these things for you. If maybe you can give more in the offering, God will do these things for you. If maybe you can, you know, step it up in your church attendance and be a little more faithful, maybe God will do some things for you. I'm, I'm really quite tired of trying to live that kind of life because it's always maybe he will if I can meet the standard because I always find out I couldn't meet the standard. It's always one thing you lack. We'd go to seminars and we would go to conferences where they would teach about the one thing we overlooked. But then there was something else we overlooked. Something else we missed. But the work is finished. The victory has already been won. And there is nothing the devil or anybody else can do about it. It's already been done. Praise God. That, my friend, is the good news. Hallelujah. That is the good news. Everything that Jesus did is already finished. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And here's what the Apostle Paul wrote. Colossians chapter 3, or 2, rather, verse number 13 says this, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which is contrary to us, and has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Jesus has triumphed, and you are the victorious recipient of the trophy. Praise God. Praise God. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, see, we said there's one part that's that's still your part, and that is that you believe and accept, acknowledge. So that's what we're going to do right now. If you have never believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, never accepted what he has done for you, if you're watching online, I want to lead you in a prayer, and I want you to pray this prayer. Or make this verbal acknowledgement might be a better way to say it. To make a verbal acknowledgement of what Jesus has done for you. And a verbal acceptance. Praise God. If you'll say this after me, and if you'll believe what you're saying, then the Bible says you will be saved. So here we go. I want everyone to pray this. And if you pray this for the first time and you mean it, you will be saved. Say this, God in heaven, I'm so thankful that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. 
And there he paid for all of my sins. Once and for all time. And today, I acknowledge that my sins have been forgiven. And I receive, I accept, I verbally acknowledge my acceptance of what Jesus did for me. And I receive the salvation that you offer today. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose from the dead so I could have new life. And I choose you as my Savior today. Thank you for saving me. Praise God. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. and We've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love with you.